up, Michigan? We are locked and loaded for a regionals edition of State Champs Michigan's Hang Time Podcast, the definitive high school basketball podcast covering hoops in the Wolverine State. My name is Lauren Plant, and we talk boys at the top of the show, girls in the middle, and today, Bernie will take us down the stretch. But let's say hi to the men in the room currently. As I mentioned, he has buckets of bravado. State Champs Scout Team Zone, Scott Bernstein. Checking in here from the State Champ Studios That's headquarters right. here right. at LTU. The campus. And uh, I'll just say that uh, it is crunch time. Yes. We are living in crunch time right now. We're seeing it. And uh, every game that I've been to, even games that have been double-digit victories, haven't been easy victories. No doubt. We had several teams on Tuesday's regional semis. We're recording this on Wednesday, so before the regional finals, who are breathing a huge sigh of relief that they actually got out uh, of the regional semis, and some fell victim. So uh, let's uh, say hello to the sommelier of the step back, Mr. Tajulius Kelly. How you doing, man? I'm doing, I'm doing well, doing well. Uh, a beautiful day on Tuesday and yeah. got to spend it in the gym. I've got no complaints. It was awesome, no doubt about it. Matt Mowry will join us in just a little while to get you filled in on the girls' regionals. Now, we have several topics we'll be discussing today, including is it finally Williamston's destiny to win it all? Also, is the future of Oak Park basketball in the right hands? We have our Miss Basketball Final Five, all that and much more. But first, State Champs Michigan Hang Time, presented by Lawrence Technological University. Recruit yourself to one of two dozen varsity-level sports at LTU, including men's and women's basketball. Simply log on to ltuathletics.com and click the Recruit Yourself link. Hang time also brought to you by the Michigan High School Athletic Association. Now the MHSAA needs officials. Go to MHSAA.com. Great part-time pay. Stay connected to the game. Support the kids and the community. It's the best way to get back and get paid. So help wanted. Just whistle. Go to MHSAA.com slash officials. The Detroit Medical Center's physical therapy and sports medicine professionals. Check out our Game Changer segments with helpful injury prevention and recovery tips. This week's segment discusses how to achieve blazing speed kind of like justin fields running the 40 uh, at the combine kyle pitts running the 40 that's the true four four, and, <laughs> yeah. the, and jamar chase running a four three it, it was crazy so uh find it on our state champs tv youtube page or on our website statechampsnetwork.com or on the state champs michigan social media channels and for immediate access to care go to dmc.org slash game changers finally the detroit athletic club foundation's male and female high school athlete of the year awards have been pushed back a week, so Monday, June 14th is the official date. It will be held at the DAC in downtown Detroit. This year's nominees have been chosen. I am sworn to secrecy uh, secrecy until they announce them to the public. That will be on Wednesday, April 14th. So for more information, if you want to watch past events, see previous winners like Cassius Winston or Aiden Hutchinson, Rakia Jackson, Megan Bobian, head over to DACAthleteoftheyear.com. All right, we're going to start uh, this week uh, with Mr. to Julius Kelly's topics, but what I f- want to first say, so we can get a little bit of regional semifinal reaction here uh, as we uh, jump into the conversations, because he's got some really good topics. Uh, number one, I'm going to tell you the games that we covered on State Champs. Let's talk about those and uh, we'll circle back when I talk about uh, the regional final coverage we're going to do after we talk with uh, Scott Bernstein's topics this week. 
So the regional semifinals we covered on state champs, we covered five of them, uh, and these are the ones uh, that uh, we will have highlights of. So uh, first off, uh, and I'm, let me just read them all, and then we can talk a little bit about some of those if you have comments on them. Uh, first off, in Region 2 and Division 1, number one, Orchard Lake St. Mary needed a uh, last-second win. I'm assuming I didn't see the game, but we'll let you guys talk about it if you know how exactly how it played out. I but, was there. Okay. They beat uh, uh, Clarkston 38-30. to very low scoring. Uh, in Division 2, Region 11, Grand Rapids South Christian almost handed it to number 3 Grand Rapids Catholic Central, only losing 60-58. to 58. Uh, So Grand Rapids CC moving on. In Division 4, we had three Division 4 semis I wanted to get covered because uh, our regional finals are really Division 1, Division 2, and, and one Division 3 game. Uh, Belleville uh, took on Weberview. They fell 56 uh, to 50. So Weberville moving on. In Division 4, the game I was at. Plymouth Christian took Detroit Douglas all the way to the limit, uh, went to double overtime, and Plymouth Christian actually had a chance to win it in the last minute, one and a half seconds. They had the ball, could have done it. Uh, they did not. Uh, yeah, a loss there could have derailed. I mean, yeah. not possibly, not guaranteed, but a loss there could have derailed the yeah. basketball campaign. Yeah, for, it was interesting, too. The, the AD, who is also the bats coach, Matthew Window, had uh, he and I have, have become friends. We, we hooked up when I was doing uh, State Champs Live last year, and we had a nice long conversation on these kind of Olympic things they were doing to keep athletes engaged during the pandemic. And he's like, hey, Lauren, you know, I, I know this probably wouldn't interest you, but why don't you come out and, and if you can, cover our game? Um, you know, he said, we have 15 wins this year, and we think we can give Detroit Douglas all they can they handle. Did. And they did, and uh, it was very, very close. But um, uh, Pierre Brooks and company are moving on. And also so the last game we had was in Division 4 in Region 32. It took overtime okay. for Southfield Christian to beat Clarkston Everest. 59-50 to 50, uh, was the final in that one. Uh, so there's some really competitive Division 4 basketball right now. I think that the notion, and I espouse this notion, so it's on me to take ownership of it and uh, maybe own a bad take, but this this notion, that again, that I was trumpeting that, that Detroit Douglas was just going to kind of route their way to a state championship and win every game in the tournament by 40 points is it, it, turned out not to be true. Uh, I, I didn't think that Plymouth Christian could stay within 15, 20 points of Douglas, and, and they almost beat them. Well, the interesting thing is Christian was without their 1,000-point scorer. He was uh, he was injured. Plymouth Christian. Uh, was. Plymouth Christian. So they were without their best yeah, player, and yeah, they still yeah, did that? or one of their best players. Wow. Um, so yeah, so he wasn't there. Um, but again, you know, talking with him before the game, he felt uh, pretty confident that uh, they would still be able to uh, uh, be competitive. And it was really, um, you know, Pierre Brooks who led who led uh, Detroit. Um, Douglas with, I think he had 14 in the second quarter, and that was what brought him back because they were down. I mean, they were down at one point, like almost like 20 to 4. Uh, and they came back, but it was, and it was also the play of Randall, the big man, yep. who uh, had 21 points uh, to, you know, but it was basically those two guys for Douglas. And, uh, you know, it was real balanced scoring on the Plymouth Christian side, and they've got a big man too who yep. played well. Yep, Chebekum yeah. on one. Yeah. On one. Yeah, exactly. He had a junior. Yep. Got, know, so they got a chance to make those strides next year as he well. He got into foul trouble in the second quarter, had to go out. That really allowed 
uh, Douglas to get the points they did and, and have them have the success they did that clawed them back into the game. Uh, if that hadn't happened, who knows how it happens. But it still went down to the wire, and there was a 1.8 left on the clock. Christian tipped with the ball out on their side of the ball. They took a shot. It just didn't go down. Uh, so, uh, But, you know, again, um, Orchard Lake escaped yeah. with a loss, so, with the win. I think, again, uh, a lot of people, including myself, anticipated the Orchard Lake-Clarkston Regional Semifinal not to be that close. I thought Clarkston could maybe keep it close for a quarter or two, and then it would end up being a 15-20 to 20 point victory for St. Mary's. But Clarkston was Clarkston. And uh, they're just really the the picture of mental toughness and the picture of execution and fundamentals, and that's why they are the gold standard. And uh, it was one of those things where you kind of needed a perfect storm of St. Mary's playing a really bad game and Clarkson playing a really good game. Um, And I think that that almost happened and almost created which would have been a really a huge upset even though it's coming from a blue blood it's sometimes weird to say Clarkson pulled an upset because Clarkson normally is always favored or at least in recent memory so uh, you know they had a shot at the end to win the game Uh, they had a three to win it uh, with about five seconds to go from Nate Steinman who had been their best player uh, in the game he ended up with 17 Um, got a got a good look it was there was contested. I liked the shot. I liked the idea of how the play ran. I like getting Steinman open for a three. You know, there's five seconds left. You got to put it up. It was, again, I, I liked where he was, how he got the ball. It was a contested shot. It missed. Uh, Zach Austin for Clarkson grabbed the rebound. Or, sorry, in a, scr- in a scramble for the rebound, Zach Austin ended up being fouled off the ball. So he went to the line to shoot two to tie with under a second left. There was .4 seconds left. And hit the hit the hard one, hit the first one, and then back rim the second one, and, mm. and, and, and Orchard Lake survives. But easily could have gone into overtime. Clarkston led for most of the uh, – fourth quarter they took a lead with like five minutes to go and then had that lead until the final seconds when Julian Roper uh, came came on and and uh, had some big offensive rebounds and, and some big uh, free throws was it the Wolves defense or was it a poor shooting night both I've never seen I haven't seen Orchard Lake play this bad in the last two years they could not hit anything they did not hit one three-pointer the whole game can you say miss the Catholic League playoffs yeah well it's, it's voluntarily yeah rust right yeah, yeah. and then then, then, in the and district, then you can lose and then right in, away in district, it's a good mm-hmm. team and you don't really get that tested in that district they were in so and that's a great rivalry right though. you know and I look you know, at I look at Carson because usually they play that game to open up the season you know and I think what the last couple of years they haven't done that and so all of a sudden, you know, now you've got, hey, those are those guys over there, you know. And, uh, you know, I, and I love it just because you have the OA Red, you know, who has arguably been, yep. you know, at, at the top OA of the, at, at the top of the, at the top of the, in the state, um, you know, in the last, you know, decade. Um, and then you have the Catholic League, which looks like, you know, at least for the early part of the 2020s, that, that they're going to be the, the standard. <laughs> and we, you know, normally, because the district typically isn't super challenging, yeah. you get that Operation Friendship game against the PSO right before the playoffs. Well, I was uh, eager last year. When the, that, that's, a, that's a strong test to kind of get you ready for playoff basketball. Mm-hmm. You know, right 
there was a lot of great matchups that never happened in the district finals last year. But last year they were supposed to go up against Isaiah Jackson uh, from Waterford and Waterford Mott. Jackson ended up going to Kentucky, even though Kentucky had a horrible year. He had a really good freshman year and is being mm-hmm. slated to be a, a either a lottery pick or a borderline lottery pick. Uh, so I would have been really eager to see that matchup in a district. But yeah, this year they ended up playing that same, not the same Mott team, but right. Stay my program. Yes, understood. Uh, in the in the district finals, and, and it wasn't that close. And yeah, so this was. It'd been probably two, three weeks before since they had been challenged, and and Clarkston challenged them. Another kind of under the radar, in my opinion, guy that deserves a, a pat on the back for what he did this year was Timmy Wasilk or Tim Wasilk. I've gotten some grief from some Clark. Why do you call him Timmy? He's like, uh, Tim wants to... Timmy! Oh, Tim, he's my, he's yeah. my buddy. He's like, my, Duke Timmy. Yeah, he's my buddy, so sometimes I... I yeah, yeah, that's but, all right. But Tim wants to... Say it with um, You know, yeah. it's never easy being the guy after the guy and, you know, steps in for Dan Fife, has a great first year uh, where they go eight and two and and they, they, yes they got upset but that was right. a, in the in the districts and unexpectedly losing Fletcher lawyer right, I was which say, they, so yeah. then yeah. last year they have another really good season yeah. and we're kind of on a collision course with St Mary's and I think that would have been a great game could talk about Matt Nicholson could, oh yeah Fletcher last lawyer, year who, who owes Julian Roper pizza yeah. because of the loss last night <laughs> who could have who could have um he could have easily that that regional final that was That's looked funny. like it was going to happen last season could have easily been the state title game. That's a northwestern thing. Yeah, that, yes. uh, TJ yeah, was talking about there. Yeah, yeah. And uh, then you look at what happened in this off season. Mm-hmm. Fletcher Lawyer moves to Fort Wayne with his family. You lose an All American. Mm-hmm. Um, Matt Nicholson graduates. You're who a guy that you were expecting to be either your leading scorer or your second leading scorer. Connor McCown opts out of the year after all the the COVID stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, then for this game against St. Mary's, you lose your second leading scorer, Mike DePillo, uh, who hyperextended something, mm-hmm. uh, and, and they shut it down because of his. Uh, well, I don't know if he could have played anyway, but you know he's a he's a Division One football co- uh, recruit at the quarterback position, so I don't think right. they wanted to risk you know going to the. So he didn't play. Uh, so they were playing really undermanned uh, this whole year and in this game. And yet it was t- one point. Yet it was one point. And, the, <laughs> and in the season, they ended up 14 and four. Yeah. So yeah. it's real. And they got guys coming back. Yeah. So I think there were people early in the year being, and we talked about this before on the podcast too, and I said, you know, we, the obit was written too early for Clarkson, but there were some people that were thinking, you know, this they're going to lose eight or nine games this year. Right. And, and they won a district. Yeah. And they, and they lost four. And, and yeah. they lost two to Ferndale. Um, uh, Oak Park, with, but they played without Keegan Wasilk, who was their point guard. Right. He was Which hurt. Tough. And they, they lost to St. Mary's. And then finally, as we move on out of our regional simul coverage, and um, we get into TJ's top. Can I say one more thing? Just about South of Christian. Uh, yeah. And Clarkson Everest. Yeah. Everest played real scrappy. Uh, they played real scrappy in the Catholic. Like their football team. They, like, yeah. Uh, they're really. They're both programs, uh, the basketball program and the football program, basketball for boys and girls, has been really, for a team that's only been around for 10 years, uh, just really the the foundation is there for some really special athletics at the, in the small school ranks in this area mm-hmm. to kind of even be like what Lakes is right, uh, or has been. Yeah. And, uh, not Good comparison. Right. So, 
But with Southfield Christian, again, we talked about it before, but I want to uh, reemphasize what we've seen in the state tournament. Uh, you know, no superstar, no Division One recruit. Josh Baker left. And all this team has done is continue the winning tradition, continuing living up to, to the gold standard of small school basketball in the state and in Metro Detroit. Shout out to Malcolm King and Varian Patrick. They're two senior captains who are the only two guys that were in the rotation in the 2018 state uh, championship run. Uh, and they've just gone next level this year. Uh, both of them have turned themselves into college players. Now, they probably won't play Division One basketball, but both of these guys are bona fide college players. Varian Patrick is, is the kind of the, the, the floor general. He's more of a combo guard, but he hit a three uh, at the buzzer to send it into overtime against Everest. Everest should have been able to pull, or not shouldn't, should have, almost, right. pulled, almost the upset. pulled it out. Yeah. And then uh, Malcolm King has been playing out of his mind in the district final against Parkway Christian. He had 30 points, 13 rebounds. Uh, the, uh, in the game against uh, Everest, I believe he had another 20.12 rebound game, so hats off to Southwell Christian. Yeah, so we might get if they get through Douglas and Southfield Christian in the quarters, that that well, if they get through, because they, that's thirty one and thirty two. Some tough. I'm not going to count out uh, Coach McAndrews does a great job over at, oh, at uh, can't look past at Cardinal Mooney. Mooney. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you can. And then Allen Park Inner City Baptist. Yeah, yeah. They don't play Southfield Christian. They get to play Detroit Douglas. Detroit right. Douglas just has to take care of the ball better. Named a watch. Um, for, yeah. in, in my opinion, Th- there's and, no question. And as they get further, and this is what small school teams do. They've grown up with each other, you know, in, the, in a lot of small communities, and they know everything about each other and stuff like that, you know. So um, when, you, when you talk about having to take care of the ball, there's just a, that much more emphasis the further you go um, into Division Four, Class D, um, into the playoffs. Yeah, and, and, and I will say this, too, very, very much – uh, reticent of Flint Carmen Ainsworth and what they and and getting off to like a slow start, not not getting into your rhythm, allowing the other team to have all the energy, take away all the momentum. PCA had good crop of fans there, you know, uh, that made the road up to Ypsilanti Lincoln to see the game. And you know, again, if if Pierre Brooks doesn't really turn it on from the outside in the second quarter, that game gets lopsided quickly. And it get it, and they could have very easily lost. So, um, go ahead, Mooney, I just real quick. Well, uh, watch out for uh, a player in Cardinal Mooney that I'm sure not a lot of people know about, but should know about Larry De Dallas. He kind of reminds me of a smaller school version of what you see in in Cross Lex uh, with, uh, with with with, uh, Hunter, with Hunter, Hunter Hunter Soper. Yeah, and uh, is a guy that can you know do it all in the open court. He's a high flyer. He can score. He's one of the best dunkers in the. Um, so look out for Larry to Dallas okay. and that Carl Mooney team to be thinking upset. All right, yeah. Well, I think we're going to see. I think we're going to see a lot of upsets moving out through the way. Yeah, yeah. I, know, yeah. I, I think when we get to the regional finals, yeah. I mean, the, the upsets become less and less. Right. You know because they've they've achieved right. those you're three right. wins to get where they are. You, no, you're right. And sometimes momentum gets to take you, uh, you know, places where hey, we weren't supposed to be here. We're yeah. supposed to be on spring break or something. Yeah, and we'll be covering, and we're going to talk about that. We 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 we're going to be covering five regional finals, and we'll talk about that and more about these games. But last point as we kind of segue into the Division II conversation, Grand Rapids South Christian and Grand Rapids Catholic Central, you can almost throw the records out, you know, out the it's window. A it's a yeah, it's a pick 'em and 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 seeing a 60 to 58 game that uh, the Cougars find a way to pull out is not surprising. No, not at all. I mean, and you talk about South Christian, uh, I mean, ever since I mean, probably before David Cool was there, 
Uh, you know, they are a team that you must be weary of. Um, the Sailors do a great job um, year in and year out. And you talk about a rivalry, uh, you know, they, on, the, on the west side in Grand Rapids in the 616, uh, you know, that uh, was much CTV. Um, I think that if I was to make that trip over to Grand Rapids last night, then that's the game that I would have gone to. Right. But hats off to T.J. Meerman, um, Jack Karaszynski playing well uh, again. Um, so, uh, yeah, they, they've got something to do. And they lost Genesis, Genesis Kemp to uh, Ipsy Prep. And we'll see, uh, you know, it, how they wind up handling that because you need to have, I think when you're in Division Two, you need to have some kind of uh, post presence or somebody at six foot six or so, six foot four at least, um, that can get some rebounding done. Yeah. So in Division Two, Williamston, is this the year? Uh, I mean, they still got an uphill battle. Yes. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, uh, Tom Lewis is not looking over past anybody. I mean, in the in years past, I'm not sure if that's happened or if that hasn't happened. Um, but sometimes reality really comes along. Um, you know, when you talk about a couple of guys, you know, when you get six foot eight guys, you know, uh, in Hunt and then Max Burton. Um, you know, Max Burton stepped up huge um, in the district final uh, when when Hunt wound up getting hurt and really got to show what he was what he was made of. Um, and they could both step out and they could both shoot it. They're both athletic. Um, so yeah, hats off to them. Hats off to Jacob Wallace. Jay Wallace, and uh, they can He's hurt you. Doll. They can hurt you in a, in a in a few different areas. Um, you know, I mean, they've got good balance. They're a, they're a team that um, as well as skill. But they they have that court presence where, you know, do they have a standout point guard? No, but they have enough other pieces where, you know, people aren't playing outside of you know outside of the box or where where they are. They know they play within themselves if you can if you can say it like that. Yeah. Um, and and so, they've been knocking on the door. Yeah, and they and they they have been close. I think what a couple of years ago they might have lost in district finals or three years ago they lost in district finals. Brandon I think, Johns. No, I, I think Riley Lewis Thompson was uh, uh, the point guard at, at the time. Um, but then you go back a couple of years ago and they came up short because um, I know a lot of people are looking, all right, well, hey, Williamston's going to play Benton Harbor and then Williamston doesn't wind up making it. You know, Benton Harbor does wind up making it with Scooby Johnson yep. or, you know, it'd be Catholic Central, whoever they had to wind up, Grand Rapids Catholic Central, whoever they wound up having to play. But, uh, yeah, I, I just think that, Sometimes when you see a lot of, when you go through a lot of growing pains, it only makes you stronger, mm-hmm. um, especially when you're in high school. And, hey, we need to do this. We need to do this. We can't do that because we have to take care of the ball. You know, uh, we need, you know, guy, you know, guys just holding each other accountable. You know, it's, it's, it's something when you, when you see players that are holding it and take away a lot of the coaching, you know, when you get to see guys, you know, hey, Scott, hey, we need to do this. We need to do that. And, you know, Lauren's instructing us on what to do, and we're all on the same page. You know, and the, and the goal is to win. You know, then hey, we need to make sure we're boxing out. We need to make sure that turnovers aren't there, and we need to make sure um, that you know we can make efficient shots. And, um, and I'll know, say so. that I'll say this about this group: that when you're talking about Jay Wallace and Max Burton, you're talking about two kids that put in so much time, effort, dedication, 
in the off season, mm-hmm. getting ready for this year. And these were two kids that I was just hearing about nonstop in the off season, whether it be them doing workouts, uh, socially distanced workouts with people in Williamson, or they were on the AU circuit or the show camp circuit or whatever that was last summer. Mm-hmm. But those guys were grinding the entire off season, and to see it being, you know, to see it pay dividends now is really, really gratifying uh, and it shows people that hard work does pay off. I know it sounds cliche, no, but yeah. those guys were really, if I had to make a list of top grinders in the last uh, off season, those guys would definitely be in the top 5 or 10 in the state. Do you predict that uh, we will see and and you know, we, we, we are destined to get a Williamston-Romulus Summit Academy North matchup? I, I, I think so. Um, you prep they're young i can I, I see them being a force in b in the next couple of years you know like 2023 uh, just because their core is you know pretty much based around uh french freshman uh spencer blakely not to take anything away from him he's been a standout uh senior one of the top unsigned seniors transferred over from romulus a couple of or excuse me from uh, renaissance a couple of years ago uh his shot has really improved, and you can see it. Talk about a kid that, you know, that is that you can see the the his hard work paying off. I mean, he's really been in the weight room. Um, so you talk about a guy that's six foot three, six foot four, that can make a shot. Um, I'm just not, not sure that he, they have enough pieces uh, to go ahead and beat Romulus Summit. Um, I think that. Uh, Williamston is going to get by Battle Creek Penfield, um, and then which is going to set up a great matchup uh, in the quarterfinal of Chelsea if the prognostications are correct. Right. All right. D three is up in the air. It's easy to see Beecher every year, uh, and I, I mean, people will look like you're a fool if you don't say Beecher. You know, Keon Middlefield is has been has been phenomenal. He's this been year. great. Mike Williams is the head coach. We'll just leave it at that. You know. Uh, he could roll me out in t- another 10 years with an AARP card, and I would have confidence that I would wind up winning. Uh, Cam Harris has been phenomenal. Uh, Carmelo Harris, excuse me, uh, has been phenomenal. Uh, and so, yeah, they're, they're very, very strong. And But you got Iron Mountain. Iron Mountain, there's no way in the world that in the back of their mind that they're not still thinking about uh, their game against Pawama Westphalia. And I know that there have been a lot of gripe about referees and stuff like that in their calls you know, in the last week, especially there with the districts. Been. Yes. But when you look at it and you're looking at Pawama Westphalia versus Iron Mountain, you know, in that in that state championship a couple of years ago, right. then that then it's almost like, well, you know, it could have been worse. Right. Um, but then and you, Pawamo's lost. Oh, yeah. Well, you know what? They, I apologize. <laughs> they, just, they just lost. Yeah, Pawamo, no, I'm saying. Pawamo did, le- they yeah. did, they did lose last night when I was putting I, everything I pre- together last night. I know. You know in the no, no, no. I know. You, and you knew that. You said, you know, all of yep. all this is, is most likely. Yep. Uh, but then know, Grand I, Rapids, I, Covenant Christian. I picked them to win, too. Yeah. I picked Pawamo to lose and Covenant Christian to win. So. Yeah, well, Covenant Christian, they're, that they're solid. more wide open. They're, yeah, they're, I mean, they're yeah, solid. They're I was solid. able to see them against Godwin Heights earlier in the year, and and they're they're younger, um, but Covenant Christian is a team that has also made uh, deep runs. You know, I mean, it, it. I think a lot of times I get Covenant Christian and Calvin Christian mix, mixed up. Right. But yeah, at, yeah. but at the same time, Covenant Christian is is no slouch at all. You know, yeah. so if they wind up making a, a run, I think that Cal, uh, Cal, Covenant Christian is going to wind up beating North Muskegon. Yeah. Uh, which is more than likely going to set up a matchup with Schoolcraft. Right. Um, saying that Schoolcraft winds up beating uh, Kalamazoo Christian. Yep. Um, and that'll be the other side of that bracket with yeah. Iron Mountain and, and uh, or, excuse me, uh, with Williamston and Romulus Summit. Yeah. Um, and then at the top of the bracket, 
Um, I think that Detroit Loyola is going to get by, by uh, Warren Mesqu- uh, um, excuse me, uh, Warren Michigan Collegiate. Yeah. And then uh, they'll wind up more than Loyola will more than likely uh, face Beecher, and that game will be at Waterford Mott. Right. Um, and then at the top of the bracket, I think the sleeper in this is is Arbor Prep. I mean, they still got to get by Adrian Madison. Um, and then on the other side, they're more than likely going to have to face the uh, Hanover Horton, who I think is going to get by Leslie. Uh, Chad Mortimer definitely wanted to have last year's team um, to play in the playoffs, you know, at least to have this this matchup. But you still got Carson Sanders, which is a, a, one of the better juniors in the state. But, you know, they, let's see what they can do. And I think that they have such a winning formula that's in their blood, kind of like a Southfield Christian over the years, where they can – they're you know they they're just built upon winners and winners they just yeah. find out ways to go about doing it so when you look at all the regional finals and what more than likely is going to be a lot of the quarterfinals uh and how about Beaverton then, then it's going to be yeah Beaverton's hey. undefeated yeah. and yeah. Roy, Roy, Roy Johnson, Johnson 800 yep. wins Eight, 800 wins that's a lot of by years by far Crazy. the coaching record yeah, man, I'm here in the about stadium like, that wow. nobody talks about you know, I mean, when, mm-hmm. you know, you had guys like John Harrington, you know, and Fracasa battling for that top spot in football. Boy, yeah, we're talking about, for was the all girls, the conversation. everyone talked about Frank Orlando. You're right. Frank Orlando never reached 800. He never ended, reached 800. He ended at 797. Yeah, so, so for a single gender coach, you yeah. know, not somebody who coached both no, girls no. and boys like, you know, back in the I day. Mean, he's coached grand, he's going to grandchildren. You know? Yeah, man. You know, I mean, it's and like they're undefeated right now. Now yeah. they're facing another. So your grandfather un- facing a box out. I know you yeah. can box out. <laughs> they're facing yeah. another undefeated team uh, in the regional final. Yeah, uh, they get Oscar. Or excuse me. Uh, yeah, they get McBain. Yeah, the uh, McBain and the Andy Broncomas, head coach at uh, uh, at Ferris State, who wanted to win a, a state championship yeah. uh, with McBain. Uh, in the early part of the 21st century, I'll say it like that. Uh, but, yeah, uh, that's going to be a great matchup. The thing with Beaverton and being coached by Coach Johnson, they haven't made that next step, you know, like you talked about with a Fracasa, you know, you know who, have, who, have, who have, you know, or Harrison, you know, who have, who have really made, you know, that stride to be able to host a trophy, you know, when, they, when all the dust is settled and, and the championship names are being uh, called off. And I think that, Wow, it'd be it'd be great for it'd be a great story uh, if Beaverton wound up may, winds up making oh it to God. the final four, even to the finals. Um, I mean, it would if, if eat that, would, that up. That, that story would be the, that right would be there. The furth- that would be the furthest that he's taken a team. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if that would be a, a curtain call or whatever, but you're talking about. I mean. I mean, he was coaching in the Nixon administration, you know. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's that's, great. That, that's 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 quite a while, you know. I, so, I mean, it's it's you know, there's a lot of things I'm trying to think. Of. Like Gordy Howe was probably playing for like the Hartford Whalers or something like that yeah. when he was. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. The, you know, the WHL. You know, right. Wayne Gretzky was seven. You yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, there's there's a lot there's a lot to you know. The and these are suits were in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the well, rocks. rocks were what Scott writes yeah. about most yeah. of the time. Yeah. That eight, was all happening. Yeah. Live. I mean, you talk about eight tracks and all that other stuff, but you know. But the yeah. thing is, hey, we all know Roy Johnson's. He's going to be wearing that uh the the burgundy <laughs> the burgundy blazer. Um, you know, and there's got to be nothing better than that. I think the only thing that you know he's like ah shoulders are getting a little thin right here or something like that. So we got to change that up. But. And then finally, uh, just some quick thoughts on Division One. Uh, which obviously is very interesting from this point forward. We're going to get into our regional finals coverage, talk more about some of those uh, Division One teams. But, um, and, and, you know, why, why don't we just, since we're here, uh, why don't we just do it right now? And, and uh, I'll just mention the couple uh, Division One games 
uh, that we're covering uh, for the regional finals. Obviously, we saw number six King lose to De La Salle, number 13 De La Salle, who will now take on number five UD Jesuit at De La Salle. They've been living on a prayer. What Both the, those programs the Cubs, been living on a prayer. But the Cubs, yeah. I mean, Sonny Sugar Baby Wilson. Yeah. That he was forever Mr. now going to be Sugar Baby. He is so sweet. I mean, you get a sweet tooth when you watch him. <laughs> you better be heading straight to the doctor after those games and get tested for diabetes because it might just be too much sugar in your veins from watching Sonny Wilson. And get busy on the I floor. mean, it really is. If you haven't followed it closely, just look at the last several games. To win the Catholic League, it was a great last second the, shot. Sonny hit the game winner. And, yeah, and then he hit the game winner. Then he hits a four-point right. four play. Bank shot to, from to downtown. To, to prevent an upset and yeah. send the game into mm-hmm. overtime in the district. In the di- semi. Yeah, district semi. Was, yeah, district semis. That was against Oak Park. Yep. And then, you know, UAD winds, winds up hanging on barely to beat Renaissance. Uh, you know, in that district final, and then you know, uh, here we are again in Sunny versus. Reminds me of that. that so the Sunny versus Brother Rice again. A couple years ago, right. they had that that run by Novi into the uh, final four, where they had like three or four straight buzzer beaters. I think Trayvon Maddox hit like yeah. two or three of them in yep. a row. Yeah, and it was like one of those things. Well, and I thought well, it he was hit the one against away. Skyline, and then he hit the and one Belleville. Belleville at Callahan, and yeah, versus Belleville yeah. at Callahan with a uh, one Gabe Brown. And, and I thought it was really interesting. It kind of reminded me of that kid from Skyline who went on a run who was hitting all the shots in the districts and the regionals a few years back. Uh, I can't remember his name. It might have been Brandon, Brandon Wade. Brandon Wade? If, or the it, shooter. Yep. I, I forget or who Ammerman, was. Ammerman. Yeah, Ammerman. Yeah, Ammerman. Yeah, yeah. I just don't remember, but it was it was, uh, it was was the kid, and he was, you know, it was like when they won that run, and then they, the coach went on to Novi uh, after that, I'm pretty sure, who was coaching Scott. We're, we could be several years back now. But anyway, regardless of that, uh, the people who know Skyline know what I'm talking about. Uh, what I'm saying is... Well, Novi beat that Skyline Yeah, Novi, Maybe beat, Novi, that, Novi beat that And that score. Skyline team was number one in the right. state going into the tournament. Yep. Maybe it was Novi... That yes. was having all the had, the, that's the, the that's last second. That's what I just said. That's, that's what it was. It wasn't that's the skyline. State it was tournament. They had like four. That was they had four straight buzzer beaters. That was that yep. was what it was. Yeah. That yep. was what it was. I just found out Trendon Trendon Hankerson is not entering the portal and he's staying at Northern Illinois. Good. Good. Oh, had a chance to talk to okay. uh, Kevin Hankerson the other day. Uh, but my point is, after seeing King in the district championship and watched him pull that out, it was interesting. You know, George Orr was saying, you know, if you're going to win these games. You know, it's about stops, and at the end, can you make a stop? And uh, they did it uh, in the district championship. They were not able to do it against De La Salle. Yeah, that was a phenomenal win by by King. I mean, beating Hamtramck. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, we were both at the game, and wow, it was to see you know King be able to make that comeback. You know, after being down in the second. Ha- you know, being down in the first half. Uh, but, yeah, hats off to uh, George Warden. He's 100%, 100% correct. Um, but and it was hats famous. off to Ziegler, too, who just was yeah. never 100% this year, just had his, yeah, like only said, about he, scoped, he's, he said 65% is where yeah. he was at this season. He's like, you know he would have been dunking all night long if he could. Yep. But he couldn't. That's why so. he's not signed. I yeah, mean, it's one yeah. of the reasons that he's not hooked up yet. Because he, school. I mean, I, arguably the best yeah. unsigned that's senior. A, I, I, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's what I. I ranked him in my yeah. top fifteen. Uh, yeah. yeah, number so, one. But he'll get better. And, and then Johnny Jokai, John Jokai. Yeah. I got some grief for calling him Johnny. And John Jokai at Warren D. LaSalle, Coach of the Year in Metro Detroit. Um, just an amazing job to, to get that team to, to where they are right now and, and yeah. just nobody in, 
I think expected anything from this from this DLS right. team. Right. Nobody knew who John Jokai no, was. Yeah, yeah. He's coming over. He from was at the game. Wald Lake Northern, yes. and all they do is just total buy-in. Yeah. And putting the the scare of God into everyone they play. Right. And and the last uh, the other game the other regional final we're covering on stage and we'll fill number four Zealand East. And number 12, Forest Hills Northern, that game is at Muskegon Wreaths Puffer on Thursday night. And Zeely Neist, of course, another team there that... Uh, so much size. Clairbaugh? The Clairbaugh Twins. Uh, I mean, shoot, far from the Arnold Schwarzenegger, Danny DeVito Twins, because you got one twin that's seven foot and the other one... Six five. You know, is six, six seven. Six seven. Six six. You know, but then you add in uh, um, Trip, or Trey Reersma. Trey And... Uh, and, you know, he's going to Saginaw Valley. You've got a couple of other guys that are going up to Ferris State. And the GLIAC is, you know, they, uh, they can compete with uh, the Horizon League. They can compete with a lot of Division One teams, if not. Be- There's a reason why uh, MAC and Horizon teams in Michigan and even in the Midwest they don't won't play, play GLIAC teams, um, you know, for, for good reason. Yeah. And uh, yeah. it, 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 it kind of needed to be said and stuff like that. You yeah. get an offer from GLIAC, it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're doing pretty good. And you're, you actually think, going, you're actually going to be doing better than a lot of Division One programs and players around the country. At least playing later. Right, at right. Least, at least playing later. And, uh, you, and you believe Zealand East and East Lansing might be the two that eventually rise from the yes. ashes in, in the of thing, what will be the regional finals and the quarters. And I, and I think that the... The X factor in if if East Lansing if East Lansing can get by uh, Coldwater, uh, then they'll more and then Zealand East getting by uh, Four Hills Northern. I think Marcus Warman is an unsigned senior. He's he's been phenomenal. Uh, one of the top unsigned senior point guards in the in the state. Um, I'm not sure that Zealand East and I know that I predicted them to go to the Final Four. If it winds up happening, it would not surprise me at all. If East Lansing does the same thing or winds up going to the Final Four, it would not surprise me at all. I just think that Marcus Warman is probably the difference maker in that game just because you have a seasoned point guard where Zealand East necessarily doesn't have anybody uh, in that backcourt. They more have to do everything by committee and rely on their front court. Uh, you know, Big Dunn for uh, East Lansing, Ethan you know, has Dunn. been, uh, Ethan Dunn has been phenomenal. And then also Ethan Boyd, uh, who's a, a sophomore. Michigan State. Or his brother. Uh, is a sophomore at East Lansing, but you know, super athletic, six five, six four, um, and he's able to do a lot and help them out in the front court as well. So, um, but I, I just I, when we talk about high school basketball so much that we, you know, that has to be on emphasis is, you know, where's your guard play? And I think that Marcus Warman is the is the difference maker if if that if that game winds up happening. All right, good, 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 good. Lots of good stuff, and we're going to be talking about these teams more and more. Of course, you know, Grand Blank is going to be right there in the mix. Of course, River Rouge uh, would like to say that they have something to say about this. Ann Arbor Huron, of course, is the team that yes that rolled uh, last night. Yeah. Oh man, it was they held them to seven points in the it was like the second half. Yes. You know, and I was like, whew. All right, we're going to tell you more about. Uh, what, what state champs is covering this week in the regional finals and we're going to get into scott bernstein's topics here in just a little bit but first let us catch up with what's happening on the girls side of things with our man in the middle maori in the middle that's next right after this from ltu if you're a high school athlete with the dream of playing college sports lawrence technological university wants you to recruit yourself 
LTU offers over two dozen varsity sports for men and women, along with several dozen world-class undergraduate programs. Athletic and academic scholarships are available in all sports, including its newest additions, competitive cheer and dance, eSports, women's hockey, and men's and women's track and field. Visit LTUathletics.com and recruit yourself. Lawrence Tech, where Blue Devils dare. It is time. For Mowry in the Middle, StateChampsNetworks.com Managing Editor Matt Mowry joining me as we talk girls regionals, among other things. And uh, it's great to kind of take a break uh, from the boys' conversation to get in what's happening because so much is happening on the girls' side of the equation. It's one of the few times, Matt, as we welcome you into the program, uh, I can't remember ever there being girls' regionals and boys' regionals in the same week. It's been bizarre because there have been days this week where I'm like, I don't remember what day it is, but yeah. since it's boys, it must be this day. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just been, it's in what city I'm supposed to be in. And yeah, it's just, it's been one of those weeks. And it's one where once we get through this and we get all the way to the end, we'll either say that was fun or let's not do this again because it's been so, it's just been crazy. Well, it is. And, uh, you know, it it's, it's it hurts a little bit the game too. The nice thing is all the other sports now, and I mean all of them are wrapped up, so we can yeah. kind of focus our attention on basketball. But you know when naturally some of the press and attention is going to fall to the boys. You know some of the girls sure. stuff falls out, but that's why we're here. We're going to make sure that we give a love. We've got as many as seven uh, girls basketball regional championship matchups that we're going to have uh, on state champs that we're filming this week. Uh, and uh, But first, we just had a conversation uh, talking about Roy Johnston, the Beaverton coach, 800 wins, first of his kind in, in just one gender. Your thoughts on his amazing accomplishment that I think very few people know. Yeah, and part of that is simply because of where he's at. I mean, he's in yes. Beaverton, so most people, you know, down in the southeast Michigan area, you're going to have to get out the the handy-dandy map. It's, uh, you know, north north of Midland. Um, but when I started out at the Midland Daily News in the mid-90s, he'd already been coaching at Beaverton for 20-odd years at that point. And, yeah, he'd been coaching since I was three, and they I'm not a young the man. Nixon, so. The Nixon administration is what he started Exactly, coaching. yeah. Roy's been around for a long time, and he kind of had this reputation as not only being this, you know, kind of monolithic – just the way he is during the game and the gruffness sometimes and the yelling at the officials and he is the epitome of a throwback. So the first couple of times that I actually got to interact with Roy, I was a little nervous because we're talking about, you know, at this point, this is like the the state of Michigan's version of Bobby Knight kind of right. thing, right. you know, where, where you're almost, you, you don't want to say, but over the years, I have learned that a lot of that gruffness from Roy is a little bit of an act. Um, he's, he's one of those, as you mentioned, he's the first one to get to 800 in one gender. He would have, or Frank Orlando would have gotten there had he gotten through regionals in his final season. Both of them are already over 800 because obviously when you mix in both boys and girls, you know, guys like, um, Don Palmer at Heartland with all of his wins from Milford boys, you know, Roy's even got 55 wins as the girls coach when he coached his daughter Jennifer's teams uh, in the mid nineties. I saw them play. She went on to Northern Michigan. Um, and then she went on after that to become one of the first women to be an assistant 
Division One men's basketball coach when she worked with Greg Campy at Oakland, and now she's back in Beaverton as essentially his boss, as uh, the athletic director there at Beaverton. Roy's one of those guys. It's kind of funny when I, I posted some stats on Twitter about him, and it's amazing how many coaches across the state went, oh, Roy, I love Roy, just because he's one of those guys who's been around forever and yeah this 800 is kind of a little bit of a longevity award you know but it's it's one of those two where he's touched so many lives not only of the players who have gone through his program but the ones he's coached at camps and the guys who now have gone through those camps and are now head coaches in their own right who remember the stories of, of Roy Johnston so yeah it's one of those where yeah, like you said, he he started out in the Nixon administration, spent a, a year in Yale and a year in Howell, and then landed in Beaverton, and he's been coaching ever since. And I remember a couple times in the mid '90s when he had some some teams that threatened to kind of get through that. The the quarterfinals have been kind of the cap for them so far in his career. But uh, it would be nice to see him right get, now. Yeah, they are. They are. And it would be nice to see kind of like kind of like Dan Fife did late in his career when he finally got through his own kind of quarterfinal hacks for Roy to be able to carry that big that big mitten home to Beaverton one time would be just awesome. Yeah. Well, we need to get your impressions on the Miss Basketball finalists. And just in case anyone listening does not know who those are, Detroit Edison's to be a Hageman. East Grand Rapids, Jillian Brown, Adrian Lenaway, Christians, Bree Salambine, Kalamazoo Central's, uh, Marie, is it Marisha or Marat? Marisha Wiggins. Wiggins. Marasha Wiggins. Okay. Okay. Make sure we say that. And Wayne's Alana Michelle. Yeah. It's five very, very talented kids, five kids who are all going high level division one. I think there's not the outcry there was at this time last year when there were only three finalists in part because there are five of them. And if you look at the list of the other kids who were considered, you you could make cases for a couple of them where eh, maybe they should have been a finalist, but you've got Kenzie Bowers from Kent city, Kylie Davis from Detroit Renaissance, who I'm actually going to see tonight again, AJ editor from Hamilton, who's going to Iowa, Kaylin Nash from Muskegon, and Amaya O'Brien from Chandler Park, Ella Stemmer from Celine that we've talked about before. Oh, yeah. Ariana Ware from Battle Creek Central. All of those kids, you know, you could have made a case for, for a lot of them to be among these finalists. But this group of finalists is, is rock solid. I think what may become the deciding point is, is Demia Hageman out of the tournament for the first time in forever. Detroit Edison not playing. Uh, Bree Salenbein and Adrian Lenaway Christian, they bumped up from D4 to D3 this year. They just lost to Arbor, Preps in, or Arbor Prep in the regional semifinals. They're out. The other three are all, we're, we're recording this on Wednesday, they're all playing tonight. They're all playing in games where they very much could be out tonight. So it could be one of those where we don't see any of these finalists all the way to the, you know, the finals like we do a lot of times. But in this day and age, with with all the video technology that we have and the huddles and the, all the different ways that we have to see these kids play, and especially with all of these kids who have been stars since their very freshman, you know, very beginning of their freshman season. If, if you haven't seen these kids yet, you probably aren't watching a whole lot of girls basketball in this state just because these kids have been around. But you, you talk about track records, you know, Hageman and Salabine are both going to graduate with two uh, – state titles, even though they aren't getting one this year and didn't get one last year. You know, Wiggins going to North Carolina, Michaud's going to Minnesota, Brown's going to Northwestern. All of these kids are just incredibly talented. So 
whoever comes out of this group is going to be, you know, a, a very worthy Miss Basketball candidate, Miss Basketball winner. Yeah, it's going to be interesting too because there's a really good chance uh, with Hageman already out that even the rest of this field, just because of the road they have to travel, they may not get very far. We may not have a, a situation at the Breslin where either of any of these candidates are still playing. Yeah, and I think I think the one I can remember a couple of years ago when it was uh, one of the Goodrich kids, I think it was when Tanaya Davis won it, she had to come back. I think they'd lost in the semifinals, but I can't remember a whole lot of times where, you know, Miss Basketball has not made a deep run in the playoffs. Usually it's somebody who is going to be there for the finals, and they kind of incorporated that additional trophy presentation because usually they give it at the school too first and then they kind of incorporated uh bcam did the the trophy presentation at the finals to make sure that you know you get tv time for that kind of thing uh it would be interesting if we get one where we don't have somebody at the finals would you say most likely east grand rapids and jillian brown have the best shot I think so. I think of the, the the rest of the kids, the ones that are still playing are all in D1. Um, I think uh, you could probably say that uh, Wiggins and Michaud, they both have very good chances of winning uh, Wednesday's regional finals, but I don't know that their teams would be favored in those games. Um, yeah, Jillian Brown and East Grand Rapids, kind of they were the number two team behind Edison for a lot of the season. They're playing Hudsonville, who gave them a game early yeah. in the season. It was not you know, a 25-point game like the outcome ended up being. They were scheduled to play last season in the regional finals, and that could be their hurdle that you know whoever gets, past, whoever gets out of that game between Hudsonville and East Grand Rapids, I think, is going to be one of the key contenders, you know, one of, one of the favorites, I guess, to win that, win the title at this point. Um, so, yeah, I, I think Jillian Brown's probably the one who's got the best chance of still being playing, you know, in next week when we get to this point. Right. Right. And again, that would obviously uh, be a huge uh, advantage or if she's, you know, playing the longest for people to get mm-hmm. in. And, and again, we say this with Mr. Basketball, uh, now we don't have the, uh, fortunately, usually if, like if you were at the Breslin the year before playing either in the semis or finals and people had a chance to see you, that usually helps with votes, but girls basketball and, and the voting sometimes is, is so demographic, whether you agree with that or not, it's just, that's kind of the facts, the way they lay out, uh, because those are the people they see this year. Like you mentioned with technology, we can see all the games. If you really are, are want to be a, um, a voter who feels, you know, I want to see all these girls. You can watch all these games that they played this season. You can pick Absolutely. some select matchups and see other than, but we have had some early exits, uh, whether it was voluntary or you got beat. Uh, what has this done to the field so far? Well, yeah, it was, I was driving to my game for district finals and my phone started blowing up that, uh, got a, got a tip that, that there could be some contenders out in division two, one of those was Demia Hageman's Detroit Edison team, you know, and, and the other one was Chandler Park, who, you know, sometimes they end up in the same district. This time they were going to be in the same region. So you kind of figured that those would be, you know, two teams on that side with, you know, maybe Country Day or, or Wixom St. Catherine on the other side. I was actually funny. I was going to the game at Country Day versus Wixom St. Catherine. So I was, you know, 
covering teams that cared very much about who was going to be on the other side of that regional bracket. But yeah, apparently um, Detroit Edison had a player test positive. So just out of the abundance of caution decided that it was not worth, you know, trying to figure out quarantine schedules or trying to figure out, you know, how to, the, the safest route for them was just to, to opt out of the rest of the playoffs. This is a Detroit Edison team that has not lost a game, as we've mentioned before, on the court since December 15th of 2018. 59 straight games hadn't lost to a Michigan team since January 11, 2018. So Demia Hageman is going to go her final two years without winning a state title and still being undefeated I, on the court, at least. I, I know they'll they'll place this one in as a forfeit win uh, loss for them, but realistically, you know, if we're if we're getting down to brass tacks, no one has beaten them on the floor in forever. It's it's one of those. I don't know that that's going to affect or negatively or positively impact her candidacy, but certainly what it does is it opens you know, division two wide open, you know, now you've got the Frankenmuths and the Portlands and the Grand Rapids West Catholics, those kind of teams that were going, yeah, okay, we can get a certain length, but then we're going to run into Detroit Edison at some point, or theoretically Chandler Park, if Chandler Park got past Edison. Those two were two of the key contenders in this division. And I think there was, a, certainly there was from the, the Wixom St. Catherine folks who were like, oh, because they lost to uh, Country Day on the, last, on the last second, you know, kind of play. They, they were thinking, oh man, because for everybody in division two, this is just kind of like the field is open it's your shot now where maybe before you thought you had a shot to maybe get to the finals, whatever, but everybody, whatever division Edison has been in, in the last couple of years has been playing at best for second place. It seems like, and now it's wide open. So yeah, it, another problem that we're seeing a lot of, and I know you guys are going to talk about this with the boys too. No, we did. We talked yeah. about it. The spring break. Spring break, and it's, it, I was at Brother Rice versus Seaholm, a boys' district final last week. Seaholm had 10 kids who were gone. Now, granted, they had a situation where I don't know that they thought they were going to get past North Farmington in the district semifinals. And, and as co the coach said, they had these plans for a long time. Seasons change, dates change. And a lot of people have said, too, you know, these are kids. These And, and the whole argument that we had of getting sports back going was – to give them the best, most normal high school experience possible. It wasn't supposed to be about wins and losses. It was about giving them chances to get on the court or chances to do what they wanted to do. And so I'm not really going to kill any of these kids for making oh, the I decision. Know. Yeah, it's probably not something that I would I think they'll regret do, it. I, I yeah. think in the end, you're going to look back and go, was it really worth it if sure. you're a competitor? I mean, Matt, we had... And I learned this today. We had um, in competitive cheer, we had an upwards on one team. Seven seniors decided just not to yeah. compete in the state yeah. finals because of spring break plans. And I realized that these got pushed way further than they should have been. You know, Absolutely. usually competitive cheer is done like March 10th, uh, let alone March 3rd, you know, 29th or 28th. However, um, oh my God, that's mind boggling to me that oh, you're yeah. in a state final or any state tournament because sure. all of it is crazy, but you know, well, um, in, it in, is what it is. Maybe in some cases, and the guys mentioned this, like if there was like that, these kids maybe had the whole summer had worked and they spent this money and this was money that for this right. trip or this plans that they, they couldn't get sure. back or whatever, um, you know, 
okay. Yeah, and, and it's certainly become it's certainly really become one of those, and especially as a, us as journalists, you have to present this. These kids are gone. You have to discuss it because it becomes part of the competitive story. It becomes part of the why these teams lost. I covered a regional semifinal the other day, Gross Point South. We've talked all season long about their injury issues. Well, on top of that, they had three more kids who were gone for spring break. So it meant Alexa Downey was out there getting face guarded by herself. They had, you know, JV players out there. Byron that we've talked about for the last two years about that senior group that they had, they had five players left to play in their regional semifinal and tried to, you know, play against Leslie with five kids and ended up losing. It was just their second loss in two years, their first one of this season. So yeah, I I'd certainly from a competitive standpoint and from a discussing why a team won or lost, oh, this is absolutely part of the story. And unfortunately, it's become a bigger part of the story, it seems, in the last week than COVID has. Yeah. Well, and again, uh, with COVID kind of still going a little nuts right now, uh, we may see some more casualties uh, coming up. You did mention uh, this team already. And just so that our fans know, we're recording the podcast just before the regional championship games on Wednesday. So we do not know uh, what has taken place. But to you, does it feel like this no longer Frank Orlando-led Country Day team might be ready for a run? Yeah, and it does. And certainly, as we mentioned, the fact that their regional kind of opened up in front of them after they beat Wixom St. Catherine, they were looking at a regional that included a three-win Regina team and a couple of teams in, uh, I believe it was U-Prep and, and uh, East Point that, that weren't really even contenders in their conference. That, that yeah, certainly getting through the regionals seemed like it was a very distinct possibility. It was weird the last couple of years, certainly looking at a, a Division Two or Class B bracket and not seeing Country Day in there. Back when I worked at the Oakland Press, it was one of these things, and I joked about this with a couple of the kids. We wouldn't pick up Country Day coverage in the postseason until regionals, maybe if they had a Flint Powers or somebody. But usually, it was Goodrich in the semis. That was the first time we covered them because they were going to be there. 22 consecutive years, they won district and regional championships, dating back to 1996-97. That was snapped, obviously, in 2018-19 when Pontiac Notre Dame Prep beat them in the district finals in Frank Orlando's final season. And as I mentioned, two more, three more wins, he would have gotten to 800. Um, and then the next season, it was just one of those where they just kind of ran out of kids that, that were able to play at that high level. No, no, you know, no bad juju toward Tim Webb who took over that program. And, and again, it's always hard to yeah. be the guy after the guy, but that two and 18 campaign last year was more about the kids they had on the floor than any reflection on Tim's coaching. Right. Enter this year, um, Jerrica Williams, who was a former high school and collegiate star in California, won in her high school career 127 games and three California Interscholastic Federation titles at Mount St. Miguel High School. And then in an, another as an assistant coach there in 2016, the same year she went into that high school's Hall of Fame, she played collegiately at UCLA and then finished up at San Diego State. And, and she came in and she's kind of – their schedule was not the schedule that you remember, you know, country day playing where it was every single contender you could possibly get. Yeah. Cause they it don't was have more, a league. Right. Yeah. It was more a, a, a schedule that was compatible with a very, very, very young team. A lot of freshmen and sophomores on that team. Um, you know, a couple that are going to be real good, I think, 
But it was weird at the end of that game because it did come down to Wixom St. Catherine had a shot, a couple of shots actually in the final 40 seconds to to get the game tying or game winning uh, bucket and, and just came up uh, short. They had a couple of good shots at it. The Country Day kids ran off the floor and celebrated getting a title. I had never seen that prior to the finals because, again, it was such an expectation that they would get to the finals. It almost be, became like in hockey where hockey players refuse to touch the conference trophy, you know, the conference championship trophies yeah. because it's bad luck because right. they have bigger fish to fry. It right. was like that with Country Day. They would win a regional title and they'd be like, yay. And, you know, it was impossible as a photographer. I'm trying to get reaction shots and they're like, because it was just an expectation. So to see this young group of kids hugging and jumping like everybody else does when they reset their counter to one, it's kind of cool, actually, because it had, you know, the expectations at Country Day are, especially at the end of French Rain, jacked so stinking sky high that it's almost impossible to live up to. And anything less than a state title is unacceptable. To see them just kind of reset it and be more focused on how they're doing things and tucking their jerseys in and like everybody else does in the world. It was kind of cool to see that, but yeah, I think they might be back now next year. It will be interesting to see how they schedule. And if they put, you know, a couple more contenders on that, that, that list to see, you know, challenge themselves, but they have a couple of kids that, like I said, could be real good. And if they keep kind of the mojo going from this year, kind of cool. Yeah, absolutely. It's great to see the perennial programs, uh, it's like, like in, you know, pro sports and stuff, you know, you may hate the Yankees, but you want them to be good so that right. you can hate yeah. them and that you could aspire to beat them. Uh, it's yeah. weird when they're at the bottom of the, of the barrel, you know, yeah. there's no doubt. Yeah. And, and certainly country day had become the Yankees. They'd become the Patriots where, you know, you write about them and people go, yeah, okay. Again, I get it. Yeah. But they had become that it almost kind of what to Edison has become in the last couple of years too, where you wonder if there's going to be kind of that, not necessarily intentional, but that little bit of backlash where people just, you know, kind of tune it out because it's become so ordinary. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, we have several regional championship games that we are filming for state champs. Uh, what I'm going to do here, Matt, is we've got six of them uh, right now. And I know we have uh, because we could not get the UP uh, regional final in Glasgow. We just, we, they, they weren't able to cover that. We're going to get another West side game and I'm not sure exactly what it's going to be, but we will have that. So we will have a total of seven, uh, on state champs, uh, this week, but I'm going to read off the matchups we're covering. And then maybe you just want to give some uh, comments on, on some of these, uh, you know, as a whole, you can just pick whichever ones you want and, sure. and comment on yeah, in division one in region three, we will have the number four Hudsonville versus number eight East Grand Rapids regional championship that is at Holland West, Ottawa. Uh, also in division one region two, we will have number two Heartland versus number 25 Birmingham Marion that game being played at Holly in division one region five. We have tons of ranked teams in these matchups. It's crazy. We have number 12, Wayne Memorial, taking on number six, Celine. That game is at Northville, so that'll be a doozy. In Division One, Region 7, we have number 10, Detroit Renaissance, taking on number 21, Farmington Hills Mercy. Now, Renaissance gets the pleasure of having that one at home. Uh, so we'll see if that makes a difference. In Division Two, we're covering one regional championships that is or championship that is in Region Ten. Number eighteen, Frankenmuth, uh, will be taking on Portland. Uh, that game is at Corona. And in Division Three, we have one, and that is in Region Twenty Two. Number three, Grass Lake 
going up against number 14, Ypsilanti Arbor Prep, that game being played at Whitmore Lake. So some really, really great top 25 matchups here for regional hardware. Yeah, and a lot of these teams have played, you know, somewhere along the line. I, I know uh, Ipsy Arbor Prep and Grass Lake, just to pick up on the last one you, you mentioned, they played in the regular season. Grass Lake won that game. I think it was at Arbor Prep. I think we talked about all of the wins that Grass Lake had on the road. You know, it's one of those where you almost kind of want to go, well, okay, they won in the regular season. That probably doesn't mean anything because if you've got Maya Petticord, then you can win any game. But, you know, we know the kids that Grass Lake has too. And if you've got, you know, Lexus Bargesher, you can win any game too. And every Cabana. And so it's going to be one of those hammer and tongs. These, those two are going to go at it until the end of the game. You mentioned the um, Mercy versus Renaissance uh, game. I'll actually be out there. I was at the semifinals on Tuesday and, you know, I watched a Renaissance team that had pretty complete control of that Gross Point South game from start to finish, but they kind of, you know, played with them a little bit, and Mercy did no such thing with Groves. They played a Groves team that I thought was maybe going to be able to pressure a little bit, and Mercy just went from the beginning and and laid it to them and never let them get up, and it was a very young Groves team that I think really has some promise you know, down the road, but it was, you know, the, the quintessential veteran versus inexperienced team and Mercy just went, no, you're not, you're not having it tonight. That will be another game that I, I think the pace will be up and down because both of them want to go. I know, you know, Mercy has had some, some depth issues with injuries. And so that could play a factor, but that one's going to be a very good one. I think Mercy, we talked about early in the season, Mercy gave Edison the closest game they've had all year. And that's a team that maybe we underrated a little bit to begin the season. It's, you know, a team that ended up coming back from two Catholic League losses to Marion to win the Catholic League tournament. Um, it's just one of those fundamentally sound teams. That, that's going to be a fun one to watch. I think the East Grand Rapids-Hudsonville one is, I think these these teams were jacked to play each other last year. And when, when the season was, you know, wiped out by COVID at the very end, that was one that I think both of these went, okay, we'll see you next year. Now here we, here we are, you know, a full year plus later and, and now they're matched up again. And this one's going to be, they met earlier in the season and it was lopsided at the very end, I think through three quarters, maybe, you know, midway through the fourth, it was still a very competitive game. I do not think East Grand Rapids is 25 points better than Hudsonville. I think this one ends up being a one or two possession game. And as I said before, whoever gets past this game, I think they are one of the odds on favorites to be, you know, hoisting the big mitten at the at the Breslin Center in a week or so. And then Marion and Heartland, that, that one's going to be, Heartland is another team that I think last year had it with their big senior class, with their right. basketball candidate, you know, and, and then that group of juniors they had right behind them who were so talented from their freshman year. I think they thought that all of the stars were lined up for them to win it last year. Now this year, that big junior class is back, you know, without, without the seniors. Um, so I, I don't know that they're as deep as they were a year ago. Marion's a team that's also not very deep, so it's going to be kind of those starting fives going head-to-head, -head, but that's going to be another one that both those coaches pride themselves on defense. We could be looking at a, you know, 
22-21 kind of game at the very end of it, just an absolute slobber knocker. And that's going to be another one that I think this is kind of the distillation process in Division One, where you're going to see, you know, there are the teams that are going to separate themselves as the contenders. And and that, like you said, a lot of ranked teams in these group that we're, we're filming tonight that you're going to see that whoever gets through these, they're going to probably be the ones that we're ending up filming next week at this time right. when we get to, to semifinals because might have an I easier this, yeah might have an easier yeah. quarters matchup uh and then you know face uh somebody really super strong in the semis or finals and you know sure. i know a lot of michelle had been injured for a little yeah. bit so so you know if you see that boy wayne had, had lost some games she didn't play a lot and and she yeah. is the x factor when she's out on the floor when she is on the floor uh man she is just so physical and uh so skilled and athletic um, but again, Celine has, like you said, they, they've got their, uh, superstar and, you know, she could just fill it up with anyone. So maybe this is a game where we have a super high score. Yeah. And, and we could end up with one of those where it ends up being Michelle has 30 and Stemmer has, you know, 35 points or something where they end up carrying the load for their team. And it's going to be, of course, dependent on some of the you know complementary players so to speak to to pick up that slack and whoever has the best next contribution from either another starter or their bench may be the team that wins this one i know celine had to had to really work to get past uh the regional uh semifinal at brighton on on tuesday and uh really gave them a test but it's going to be another one of those. And as you said, Michelle is just so big and so strong. And when she goes up, she can go up repeatedly. She's just a pogo stick jumper who can go get her own offensive misses and put them up again. And there are very few people in the state who physically can match up with her. So that could be, you know, I mean, that's going to be one of those where she may just be the biggest beast on the floor who carries them to a victory. And since we've talked about all the other matchups, uh, Frankenmuth and Portland, yeah, Portland's one of those that that probably does not get enough credit. They're in the CAC, I believe, white, um, and and they've just been rolling. I mean, I was I always check the scores from the other ones, and and they were playing a very good Alma team, I think, on Tuesday, and the score after at halftime was, you know, it was in the high 20s the margin of you know their lead it's just one of those teams that's very 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 fundamentally sound it, it's a team that i think doesn't get enough credit for how good they've been uh, specifically in that area in you know the lansing area because you've got east lansing that gets a lot of the the pub and you've got a you know hazlitt and and williamston and you know, Pawama Westphalia was, you know, in the finals a couple of years in a row. So it's a lot of other teams get the credit in that general area. And Frankenmuth all along, we I've had them in the top 25 all season long. Their losses have been few and far between. I believe their only losses to Dow, um, who's still going in Division One. That's another one of those with with Zoe Persales and with um, Lexi, <clears throat> excuse me, Lexi Boyk. That's another team that just has enough offensive options that they're really hard to stop. And they're just a hard-nosed team that, that's going to be a tough out. I thought they would be one of those, you know, once you got past Edison, one of those next two or three teams in Division Two all along. And now with the field wide open, I think they're one of the teams that you have to look at as, you know, a, a very solid chance of them winning the D2 title. 
Fantastic. Very exciting. Thank you, Matt. His final girls top 25 state rankings are available at statechampsnetwork.com. If you want to see how he kind of had everybody shaking up at the end of the regular season. Uh, of course, we're in the second season now, and uh, we've got a lot of great stuff that uh, uh, we're going to talk about next week because we'll have uh, quarters in the books and we'll be getting ready for the semifinals and the finals. We're getting ready for a long weekend at the Breslin Center. Uh, Matt, please remind people how they can follow you on social media. So if they want to follow along all the coverage that uh, you're kicking out, uh, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, on social media, either on the um, State Champs Facebook page is the easiest way, or on Twitter, it's Full Court Coverage, F-U-L-L-C-R-T Coverage. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, it's okay. It's um, yeah. Twitter is, is probably the easiest way to get the uh, the play by play. Yeah, yeah. Get all the updates, and he's retweeting everything. So Matt follows everybody. So, uh, you know, and especially when it comes to girls basketball, if you want to know, you know, what's happening and stuff, you just kind of get on his timeline, and he'll keep you updated as as he gets updated, and then of course what he's covering. So, all right, Matt, thank you so much. It's going to be exciting uh, to see what happens um, next week, and uh, we'll do it then. All right, thank you very much, Matthew Mowry. Now we have Scott Bernstein and the topics that he wants to talk about. And uh, Scott, uh, I went into this with Matt Mowry a little bit. Uh, this spring break fiasco that is going on—there um, are a lot. There are a lot of things at play. Here. I realized that that plans were made it's a multi because we didn't know that this was going to go. Situation this is layered. Okay. It's not. Please, it's not enlighten black. me. It's not black and white. But I think it's, that was my chair. I think it's more black and white than it's being uh, depicted as. <laughs> uh, I was listening to them on ninety-seven-one talking about it coming in here, and you were talking about it on ninety-seven-one. Oh, yeah, really? they were talking. Oh, about I didn't. I wasn't talking about. Oh, it. They, they were talking, talking about. Okay, about okay. It. And uh, and it just seems like it was very. Oh well. You know, it's COVID year and, you know, they didn't get to do this last year. And if it was any other year, and I just think, unfortunately, that's the wrong way to look at it. And um, I understand there are some mitigating circumstances. There are, uh, I'm sure there are situations that where you, you put money in and you can't get it back and you might have put money in that you worked for as a kid, you know, you, know, you might have spent all summer working for a, for the, the chance to go to Mexico or Florida in March of your senior year. And I understand those situations. And those are situations where there are mitigating circumstances. But I wanted, and I obviously, I, I, I didn't come up with a, with a definitive answer, but I wanted to do a straw poll of my own, talk to as many coaches I, as I could over the last week, and get an idea of the percentage of kids that are going because they can't get money back and the percentage of kids that are just going. And I understand this is not an exact science and my my not an official right, my sample size could be questioned, but I got the feeling that a majority of these situations for girls and boys were not situations where they had a family vacation planned where they were going with grandma and grandpa and I'm not taking my grandma and grandpa <laughs> on spring break. <laughs> no, I, no, I think there were sp- no no, I think there were two there were two separate scenarios. There were scenarios where kids were going on traditional spring break to Daytona Beach and, and South Padre Island. But then I heard there were some other situations Jamaica. where kids had family vacations planned. You know, going to Disney World or uh, those are all 
in my opinion, those are excusable. But talking it was Lake Havasu for me, by the way, in Arizona. <laughs> yeah. That was yes. our, our spring. Nice. Palm Springs, too, before uh, Sonny Bono shut and, it down. <laughs> and then, you know, I talked to most of these coaches, and they're like, unfortunately, that's yeah not the majority. So I just have a real issue with it. I think it's a referendum on hypocrisy, and I understand that this is an, a year that, you know, is an, is an outlier of a year. I mean, this hasn't happened in our country in a hundred years. You know, the last pandemic... They didn't have spring break the on pandemic, well, The last pandemic was in 1919 yeah, or 1918. I so I understand it, but at the same time, I just can't... I could not... I personally can't wrap my brain around, barring those other circumstances, voluntarily leaving your team in the middle of a playoff run where where in a lot of cases you have a really good chance to, to do something really special. And these are a lot of the same people and parents that were protesting outside the Capitol building. Let them play. So it's hmm. like, Let well, them play. let them play until we, you know, until we have to go, until we want to go to yeah. uh, skiing in, uh, S- sorry, team. in Aspen. Sorry, team. Right. The fun is too much. Ho- the fun uh, is too I hope you win. I just, it <laughs> we'll see you next week yeah, right. in the quarters. <laughs> right, come I back with a tan. I just didn't, ex- I didn't. I didn't expect this amount of an exodus, right. and it's a mass exodus. Every team is dealing with this. Uh, the the Lake Northern team I covered yesterday that beat Howell, that will face Orchard Lake St. Mary's in the regional championship game, where they had six guys that were gone, and they have another guy who's a starter that had made a plane reservation, so specifically he could play the the regional semifinal, but is going to leave like Thursday morning. So I know that the whole Wall Lake Northern staff is like, we gotta make, it, we gotta raise some money to give this kid, you know, a refund on his ticket so we can have him in this because they're already down two starters. That would put them down three starters, seven guys all together. I know that uh, the Stony Creek boys team, um, and we'll get into this in a second with Trevor Smith, was missing their their second and third leading scorer. Their girls team was pretty much decimated by spring break, and I also think there's a little bit of a socioeconomic. <laughs> Play at here, where you know the 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 wealthier suburban um, communities are the ones that are all going on spring break. You don't, you know, on, you, uh, sadly, you don't see a lot of kids from Detroit King being like, "Ah, oh, we're going down to to Daytona for spring." I break. mean, even but I'll I shouldn't say sadly, but just let's say this: when I put together the Motor City Roundball Classic schedule, so many times there are teams that can't play because it's between Christmas and New Year's. And even their teams that don't practice because they have players that wind up going on family vacations. Right. You know, every it's Christmas year. time. And you know, and I've, if I talk to George Ward at, over at King, he's like, "We're, we're, we're what? like, what are you? Are you kidding me?" He's like, "Not for my team." You know, uh, me, I don't. You know, so it, it's to me, it's Something. a little bit of a hurdle. I will also say that, I mean, if let's say this, if you had the opportunity, a and let's say it's February fifth. And they're saying, all right, wait, we, we, are you coming with us or not? You know, these are the rooms. We have this many hotel rooms. If we need to get more hotel rooms, and we need to get, are you in or are, are you in or are you out? You know, well, all right, yeah, I'm in. And then the next day, Friday or whatever, later on that afternoon, then it's announced that you're going to be playing on February 8th. Then it's like, ah. Oh, because you've already been you've already been disappointed two or three times oh, saying that the season it's wasn't going to you know. It's a difficult situation. You're talking about basketball in Michigan and 
in I, the second week of April. I just yeah, no. couldn't as a you know, it's as just a, something that doesn't happen. I'm a, with you. As a player, I couldn't imagine not being there. You, you and could, as a parent, you could never have pulled me away. And as a you, parent, you I can't imagine. imagine Regional, kid, we're talking regionals. Now. Regionals, is, yeah. I mean, if my you know, kid was like, we're you not got supposed a, you, to be this good. You yeah. got a chance, Fred. You were supposed to miss that yeah. free throw. Yeah. <laughs> and whatever it was, I'd just be like, okay, guys, I will meet you down there. Yeah. Wherever yeah. I'm going, I might be a few days late, but I will be yeah. there for the weekend. Right, 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 right. I'm just saying. Anyway, let's stop off it yeah. because you know, let's get into Trevor Smith of Stony Creek. What a revelation Trevor Smith has been this season. Uh, I've declared him in multiple interviews and things I've written for both uh, state champs as well as the Oakland Press. He's not only the MVP of the entire OAA, in my opinion, he's also the MIP. Um, He has always been a good player. Uh, He's been a varsity starter since he was a freshman, and he's always been good. He's always a guy that I ranked in my top 25 in Oakland County. But uh, I would have never considered him a game changer or a superstar or someone that you could build a program around or someone that could take you on a run to the Final Four. And that is all out the window. Trevor Smith is one of the best high school players in Metro Detroit right now. Uh, He's doing things that very few are able to do in terms of the total package of a point guard. Uh, He can score. The, the biggest improvement he's made this season on his, and his outside shooting uh, was a little bit um, hit or miss coming into this year. This year he's, he's hitting uh, much more efficiently from downtown. He's creating for his teammates. He's finishing at the rack. He's quarterbacking the team as the point guard. He's their heart and soul leader in the locker room. He's got a 4.0 GPA. Um, the kid has just been unbelievable, phenomenal, fantastic, all the superlatives and uh, he's just someone that needs to be shouted out and what he's done specifically in the state tournament exemplifies the whole season or is a microcosm of the whole season where as I said and I don't know the specifics on this so I don't want to throw anyone under the bus I don't know why but uh, two the, the Stony Creek had has had, had a great year this year um, depending on who you talk to <laughs> There's a lot of politics involved in awarding league championships this season because of the way the schedules were lined up. So depending on who you talk to, they either won the OA White or finished second in the OA White. Will they, will, they hang claim, a, will they hang a banner? Cl- they're claiming they won the OA White. I guess it's at, there's a vote with the A. It doesn't matter. They Just say they won the OA White out of nowhere, and then they, they get into the districts, and Alex Ryder and Lance Vogelberg, another two senior captains, senior forwards that have been the, the beneficiary of a lot of, uh, of what Trevor Smith has done this year, um, went to spring break. Again, I don't know why, and I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. That Alex is going to Michigan State for yeah. academics. And, uh, and, Cedarville. and Trevor Smith just, again, put the team on his back. They upset, well, I didn't want to say uh, upset's the wrong word. They did not upset. Take, take it back. They did not upset. They beat Troy in the district finals, a team that before the season was picked as the runaway favorite in the white, and out of the three games they played this year, um, Stony Creek won two and lost another one in overtime, and Troy had four college-signed players on the floor. Stony Creek had no college players on the floor, and they were missing like four or five kids, including two critical starters, and Trevor Smith controlled the entire game. Then uh, the other night in the regional semifinals against Chip Valley, 
Trevor Smith controls the entire game. So now they're going up against Dakota, and all things being even, I would say Stony Creek doesn't have a chance to beat Dakota, but with 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 not a full roster. But I I'll just quote Steve Norgrove, and uh, as I was leaving the gym after the district final, and I said, "What do you think about you know going into the regionals and eventually having to play maybe a Dakota team without anyone but Trevor?" And he's like, "But we have Trevor." <laughs> like, we have Trevor. They don't have Trevor. Right. So that could be the ultimate equalizer. That's what Wonder Woman said. Right. <laughs> yes. Uh, future of Oak Park basketball. Uh, you know, we, we mentioned uh, UDJ uh, living on a prayer these last couple weeks, and, you know, they should have been eliminated from the tournament. Oak Park should have pulled the upset. When you're up four with two seconds left, there are very few ways for you to lose the game. Um, they lost it. Someone fouled. Uh, Sugar Baby Wilson on a three-point attempt. He banks it in, hits a free throw. They go to overtime. They eventually win. But the fact that this Oak Park team comes from first game of the season, I'm watching them. They lost. They got a running clock put on them by Ferndale. Um, and then to see where the progression they've made under Duran Shepard, who's the first-year coach, uh, won a state title with DePores as a player, won a state title as a coach, mm-hmm. um, went to, a, uh, I believe, a Final four or quarterfinal. Yeah, they Easter. went to a quarterfinal and beat Romulus in that quarterfinal, I do beat believe. Beat Nate Oates. Nate, Nate Oates. Yep. Notes. And uh, Notes. Duran Shepard is just the type of person you want running a program. I mean, he's someone that can connect with kids. He's someone that's good at X and O's. He's someone that has a great feel for the game. He's someone that has a winning pedigree, again, on the floor and on the bench. He's come in there, uh, installed the stuff he needs to install, get, get people's uh, you know, head straight, confidence back, uh, and I think if he's allowed to do what he wants to do, he can turn that Oak Park basketball program into something that it it should always have yeah. been. With the athletes they have, you know, for instance, like when George Ward that was the last time. Right? That that was when, you, when, you, when you've got a competent, when you've got a competent head man, Doc Burton. You know what I mean? They're going to put together the. the they're going to use the athletes they have because you always have great athletes. Uh, and they're going to make them find ways to win. When Ward was there and then when Tipton was there, it started to head in that direction and then crashed, unfortunately. But uh, looking on to next year, Ashton Henderson, another guy that had a, a breakout season this year in the backcourt, uh, and Duran Shepard is just going to be molding him and, and pushing him uh, and pushing him forward as a player and as a performer more in this offseason. So uh, I'm just really excited about what, what will be happening with Oak Park basketball, kind of, I think, I look at it, you know, in a, in a parallel just about eight years later from what Greg Carter did with that football yeah, program. There you go. There you go. So we'll see. Uh, before we go, I do want to tell you about the D2 and the 1D3 regional championship games that we will be covering, and then you guys can co- comment on what you think about those particular matchups since uh, we're recording this on the day before the regional finals. In Division Two, Region 15, number 17, Harper Woods, Chandler Park, taking on number 15, Ferndale. That game will be played at Livonia Clarenceville. If you happen to be in the Livonia area, that might be a ball game you want to go check out because there's going to be some ballers on the court in in that one. Uh, in Division 2, Region 13, number 22, Williamson taking on a good Battle Creek Penfield team. That game, though, at Williamston, uh, so they've got the home court advantage there. And in Division 3, the one championship we are going to have in Region 24, Flint Beecher and Reese. We haven't talked a lot about Reese. Uh, this game at Reese, in Division 3 especially, which is so, which could be, you know, a, a lot of teams falling here, other teams rising there. Uh, we could see a very interesting matchup in that one. Oh, and again, 
Mike Williams. Uh, I think that Flint Beecher, they don't get, they are not, they might hold us host a district every now and then. Um, I don't really think that they're hosting regional just because of the size of the gym. Um, so they're used to playing uh, in, uh, let's hostile say, hostile, hostile environments. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, you know, making that trip up to Reese, uh, you know, it'll be a bit of a challenge. Um, I look at Flint Beecher, their only loss is to Orchard Lake Sam Mary's the number one team in the state. Uh, Reese, I mean, if I can't, I don't believe that they played, you know, one ranked team this entire year. Um, I'm not trying to take anything away from them. I'm just looking at how much it's you're going to ba- be an uphill climb. How, how much, how much you're battle tested. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I think that being battle tested has a long way to go with making strides. You know, in the stri- strides in the into the further into the playoffs, not only for players but you know for coaches. You know, I think that that might have been one of the things we saw with Hamtramck and King, where King is very seasoned. Uh, Hamtramck is kind of like the new kids on the block and stuff like that. I mean, even referees are like, wow, is this game well, like, yeah. Yeah, this game's a lot closer, you know. And I look over and I see the fouls, and I'm like, oh, well, 7-2, to two, you know, at one point with that Hamtramck game. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's one of those things, just being cautious or being aware of everything that's going on around you. Um, and I think that Mike Williams, I mean, I'm not going to say that he could coach in his sleep. He could, well, let's say this, he could out-coach me in his sleep, and I'll just leave it at that, you know. Yeah. But uh, Chandler Park-Ferndale should be an interesting matchup. Hey, man, for Ferndale, I've been saying this all year. I mean, this is a team that has all the this could tools be their time. and all the yeah. capabilities to make a Final Four run. And they have played a tough competition. I don't mm-hmm. schedule. At tough the schedule. last time Ferndale was in the Final Four, I believe, it was in 1986. Wow. I, I only got to watch a half an hour of TV yeah, yeah. in 1986. I don't think DJ took them to the Final Four. I think DJ took them to the quarters and yeah. I believe yeah. the era before DJ Stevens. So or, many times they DJ had to play Pershing and stuff like DJ that. DJ Stevens yeah. might have been a freshman on this team, but I believe it was the Stacy Davis team. And Stacy Davis ended up going to college and having a really good it might career have been at Oakland J- University. It might have been Jared Stevens. No, I, Jared, I, I, Jared. I, that, was, that was my era with Jared and Rashad Phillips. They never went to the Final Four. Okay. Yeah, well. Good to look. Yeah, good but uh, uh, I was living in Arizona. Spring uh, break for a year. Yeah, but a good top twenty matchup there, no question about it. The the team that that comes from that could have a tremendous yep. amount of momentum. Jalen Randall for Harper Woods, look out for and uh, Ad- Adley. Yep, Tamario Adley. Tamario Adley. Yep, and then for um, obviously for Ferndale, we've talked about Trey Lewis, Deuce Drake. I love Jack Kennedy, uh, the the bouncy six nine. A uh, big man that was slinging pizzas at Little Caesars last year and is now maybe on the verge of snaring himself some type of college scholarships. Yeah. Uh, and I w- I'd just like to mention, I uh, Grand Rapids Catholic Central more than likely going to maybe have to face uh, Benton Harbor. And I know that they've been going back and forth uh, over the last few years. I mean, we can all remember Scooby Johnson um, hitting that game winner over an outstretched Marcus Bingham arm. Uh, for the for the game winner, which wound up turning out to be the game winner um, in the state championship, what three years ago? Yeah, his um, sophomore year. So, uh, you know, that's more than likely going to be a quarterfinal matchup as well. Um, so, yeah, a Class B is, or excuse me, Division Two is loaded. Uh, can't miss action pretty much wherever you're going. Um, and if you've only been watching Division One basketball or um, just watching basketball in that in your certain area, you know, go take that extra 15 minutes, 20 minutes, and get to uh, Division II, uh, um regional final or the quarterfinals. Quarterfinals are going to be that much better than the final regional final. You know, so many times the quarterfinals are the best games of the entire week, uh, re- 
regardless of semis and finals, just for whatever reason, the quarterfinals are the knockdown dragouts that you just don't really hear about too much because they get dwarfed by semifinals and finals happening a couple days later in the news. Uh, but we cover it on State Champs. We'll make sure we've got good quarterfinal coverage. And, it, you know, if what's happened so far in D4 is indicative of what of how close and what could happen moving forward, uh, we get a couple regional losses by some teams. Uh, you know, say, you know, again, Douglas and Southfield Christian having to go to overtime in their respective semifinals. Uh, who knows what next week could bring at the small school level, which could be super exciting. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have a lot of great things to look forward to. next 10 days, it's yeah. going to be a mad dash to the finish. It's going to be a lot of fun. Absolutely. So uh, what we will do is when you hear us next, we will have quarterfinal reaction for you. We will talk about what took place on Tuesday. And then we'll get you all set up for the Breslin run, the final four. We'll know who's in each division, who those teams are, and uh, and we'll get after them. We'll talk about it. So, gentlemen, thank you once again. Thank you. All right. We will see you out there on the court. Uh, I will be at uh, the UD Jesuit and Warren De La Salle game at De La Salle on Thursday night. So if you see there, say hi. Otherwise, uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Thank you so much for listening. For Scott. For TJ, for Matt, I'm Lauren Plant. We'll talk to you next week.